Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Aging can be a horrible process. It's, I'm not very happy with a lot of it thus far, but I mean, I was very hard on my body for many, many, many years for, in all different kinds of ways as an athlete and an abuser and all kinds of things. Hello, I'm Christopher Triumph, a Swedish 40-something with a podcast and a great interest in people. Today, if you want to, we'll meet Mark Boone Jr. together, or Boone as he's most often called. And this interview was really fun, really touching to do. We'll get back to that after this short message from Varvet's sponsor, Uber. Uber is an app-based way to move around some 225 cities around the world. It's a lot like taxi, only smarter, safer, simpler and cheaper. Right now, all our listeners in Sweden can try Uber and support this podcast at the same time. This is how you do it. You download the Uber app and use Varvet as a code and then you'll get 150 Swedish kronor to go for That's great, huh? So thank you, listener, for trying Uber, thus co-sponsoring this show. And thanks, Uber, as well. So, my guest today is American actor Mark Boone Jr. He'll turn 60 later this year, and man, this guy has a long resume. But for the short-term memory audience, he's probably most known for being on 95 episodes of uh, Sons of Anarchy. I didn't know that figure, I had to look it up at IMDb. And speaking of which, Boone has 128 actor credits on that website. He's been in a lot of great movies, such as Memento, speaking of short-term memory armageddon seven of mice and men 30 days of night batman begins die hard 2 etc etc and by the way he also starred in the perhaps a bit overlooked tv series carnival which i'd uh, like to recommend if you haven't seen that so if you don't know the name mark boone jr you know his face i can almost promise you that and if you are listening via the Acast app, you can see his face on your screen right now, I think. Okay, Boone is a fantastic actor. He's a very nice man. And uh, although he's been in the business for such a long time, he told me after the interview, and this might come out as bragging, I know that, but he told me that this is the best interview that anybody has ever done to him. So I'm very proud of that, and I'm very proud to share it with you. So... I'll ask Lovisa, my editor, to roll the tape, please. Could you describe uh, where we are, the settings for us? 
the setting where we are, Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon is a kind of a historically uh, used to have a lot of shacks up here. I know Dylan spent a lot of time up here. A lot of people have lived up up in this area. I've ne- I've actually never been up Kirkwood in 25 years. Okay. Usually the next one, if I come up to Laurel Canyon, somebody lives in that in that bunch. Lookout, out lookout, and or the other way, which is full of rich producers and actors. So is this uh, a little bit cheaper? This street? Oh no, I no, I no, I have no doubt that this is the same price. I mean, I'm just renting, so you can be totally honest. I no, won't this be offended. Is, this is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing about Laurel Canyon is it is that there is still not extravagant big it, it, it's mixed with that that old the old and the and the new people have, have wrecked their you know torn down the houses that used to be there the shacks i almost bought a house on off of lookout a couple of years ago up there which was still very much a shack that uh supposedly hendrix had lived in and yeah you know it's just it, 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 every house up here probably has had You know, there was a teeny little shack up on the to the right off of Laurel Canyon that uh, Cher had lived in you know, that I looked at, you know, when I was looking at houses and stuff. I mean, teeny little thing. And the fact that she had lived there, how did that affect it, it, the price? It, I don't think it affected the price at all. Okay. And it was on the market for a long time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How are you today? Today I'm good. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. You were riding a bike, so you had to park that down the street and walk up. Yes, I just yeah. Now I'm a little <laughs> tired from that walk, but otherwise I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, but but I, you took a cigarette afterwards. So I did. Yeah. yeah. So to compensate. To compensate for the walk, yes. <laughs> yeah. So just to get the you know, <laughs> take me down a bit. <laughs> yeah, but have you always been a smoker? No, I haven't. I I played a, a lot of. I was a very serious athlete until I was, well, very serious until I was twenty eight, and then I still continued to. I played soccer, football, and uh, I played a lot of sports. But that that was the the as I got after sixteen, I played a lot of soccer at a very very high level. So I didn't smoke at all until I was. Well, I think I started. Slowly, when I was maybe I started smoking a lot of pot when I was twenty eight, and then I to stop smoking pot, I started smoking cigarettes, and then I smoked for a probably straight twenty five years or something, and then I quit. I tried a couple of times, and then I I quit for about three years during the making of Sons of Anarchy, and then I started again about a year and a, a little over a year ago. What tipped you over? back on yeah i guess emotional things i you know i broke up with somebody and probably that's what did it yeah i think coffee i've stopped doing coffee first thing in the morning i do tea now i do a a cup of tea and i always eat something before i start smoking so yeah i i can not smoke for hours in the day If I'm doing anything, I don't need to smoke. Or I mean, not anything. Not and if I'm writing or reading or playing music, I tend to smoke. 
Yeah. What are you doing now? What am I doing now? Yeah. What uh, now that are you talking about the television show? Well, that finished for me like months ago. Yeah. So how do your days look now? Well, I just did two films like right in a row. Okay. So I, that I was the same getting up at four o'clock in the morning because the we just went into daylight savings time. So now every day they start at, you know, they'll start at six o'clock in the morning, if not earlier, because it's, it's dark by five. So they try and get every hour of every minute of, of sun. Of course. Yeah. So that I just spent, uh, I don't know, it's about three weeks doing two films in a row. Connie Stevens. I was doing a movie with Connie Stevens and do you know who that is? No. Yeah, she was a singer and dancer, actress in the, I mean, her heyday was the 60s and 70s. She was discovered by Jerry Lewis in a as in a singing group in high school when she was 17, and they signed her up. And um, she did a bunch of movies with Jerry Lewis in the 70s. I don't know if you know Jerry's movies in the 70s. They're pretty whack. I would assume I don't. But maybe they're not his most popular movies, okay. not the, not not the Dean Martin movies. And they're movies that he wrote and directed for the most part. I think like the first of that was Buddy Love, the whatever the name of that movie was. But she's now well into she's into her 70s. She just directed a her first movie at 74. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. And she was just fantastic. And Crispin Glover and I and and uh, and her and her daughter, uh, who is Joelle Fisher, Eddie Fisher's daughter with her. So you've done two movies. And so you have some spare time now. I do as of just as of today, actually. Okay, so this so, is your first day uh, of work. Uh, back to my work. Okay. Yeah. Which is music or music. Yeah. And writing and and uh, getting, I, I would like to direct some movies. Yeah, I've I've uh, you know I started this in this business doing writing and and making theater with uh, first a guy named Tom Wright and then a guy named Steve Buscemi, who I was partners with for about eight years. And uh, since then, I've produced and other movies and written movies that have uh, at least one movie that got produced directed a short and um then i had a movie that i really wanted was absolutely ready to do and then i got then the sons of An i got the part in the sons of anarchy and there there was a writer strike and and i couldn't give that out and then we started the show and since the show began I haven't done nearly as, as much. It's very, it's because of our schedule, the way it was shot in the spring into the fall, right up to the time when Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's takes place. So the whole business like just, just stops yeah. pretty much. So it was, it was really difficult during these seven years of, of Sons of Anarchy to, to get other projects going. I did some like a life of crime a movie that with Jennifer Aniston and Mostef and John Hawks and that came out this year and a few other things, but really not, not, not too much work outside. And I didn't, I, I played a lot of music during the, the, the seven years. 
Yeah. And is that sort of, I mean, you sing fantastically, by the way. I what sing you, fantastically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you say that? Your, your voice is great. Thank you. I'm curious with drive here because as an actor, you're sort of, you're part of a big production and you aren't in charge. Is music sort of your outlet to be in charge? Does that have anything to do with it? Absolutely. That was where I found a lot of solace in during the Sons of Anarchy, where, where writing is, I find writing scripts or anything, a kind of a full-time occupation when I'm writing something I really can't be doing, I can't be going and acting I haven't found that I could do that anyway, that much. And so music is a, a very much more relaxing and, and you're in charge when you're playing an instrument and singing. So yeah, the being in charge thing was, was not being in charge of my own destiny on the Sons of Anarchy was a rather difficult thing for me. It was, okay. Yes. But you should be used to it. I mean, you've been no. doing this for a long time. No, but I, I've never done any television. Okay. I've done very little television, and television is a whole different thing because you, with a movie, you, you know exactly what you're going to be doing, and it's over when it's over. Yeah. <laughs> so television is not like that. They hand you a script every week, and you are told to do what you are told to do. And you didn't really fancy that way Process, of working? Not really that much, no. So the, we won't see you in... I don't know. It's the only way to make a living anymore <clears throat> in the in this business. It's, it's very difficult to make movies and make a living. All the, they, There's either huge movies and they're mostly about superheroes or there's they want to make movies for $500,000 and not pay anybody anything. So that's, I mean, that's not absolutely all that's left in the movie business but more or less that's yeah. what is out there was it sort of the the not knowing thing that was troubling you the most or not not knowing no that didn't bother me okay what i was given to do or not do playing a character that you don't have that that is your character but not your decisions is I found a very difficult thing. There were so many times that as my character, I would have acted differently. Yeah, okay. So you were sort of coming back to the uh, to no, the directors? No, there no, okay. there's no, it's not the director, it's the the writer. Okay. The writer, yeah. the, the uh, showrunner who uh, has control over that stuff. So you had a lot of meetings about that? No, no meetings at all. You were just shutting your mouth and doing your job? Or? Basically, that's what I was doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that must be tiresome after seven years. Yes, it's very tiresome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But are you happy with how the show came about? Or how it has finished? And yeah, did, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... I found plenty of things to to uh, keep my attention during those seven years. You know, it was a a very tight group of people on, on the set, the cast, and the crew. We we uh, should be very proud of what we we did over that seven years. A very difficult 
subject matter, very difficult stuff. And I, I mean, I'm the kind of actor who doesn't, who really has a hard time just leaving that alone or, or leaving that at the, at the set. I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of an, an absorber of energy and that's kind of acting upon that and, and from that place more intuitive than anything else. I, I think I don't really analyze. Well, I do. I, I certainly analyze, but kind of through those feelings of, of intuition that I've always had really as a person that came in, that come into use as an actor, kind of an intuitive person in general. Can I just make myself a cup of coffee? I don't see why not. Thank you. Should I just talk while, while well, you do that? <laughs> so where do you live in Sweden? I live in uh, Vällingby, which is a suburb to Stockholm, in the capital. Have you been to Sweden? I have. The only place I spent any time was Stockholm. I went to the Stockholm Film Festival in, I think, 96. Spent, I think, three days there, which were great. I yeah. really, really, I knew someone there and spent time with them and hung out with Rod Steiger. He was the honored guest that year, and he, yeah. he, that was fantastic. It was very soon, actually, before he died. And you were there because of? Because of Tree's Lounge, oh, Steve okay. Buscemi yeah, movie, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which we, we you know, kind of, we're, we're, we'd swung around Europe during we hit a bunch of places that that year in that same same go round what do you remember of stockholm though yeah, i think it's in october yeah something like that so no, it, it's actually, in november yeah it felt like about 3 4 hours of sunlight maybe yeah yeah, yeah. anyhow it's dark when you go to work and it's dark when you get home right yeah. i remember the buildings i loved the buildings there i i walked a lot all over. I walked all over that town. And um, the food was fantastic. Fantastic food. That's nice to hear. Now, that may be because we got treated so yeah. well. But by being taken to... The, I'm sure we were taken to the to really good restaurants. Yeah. But they were really good restaurants. Fish, a lot, all, all seafood. Fantastic food. And great people. I had a really good time. The only thing that, that bothered me was that whenever I was in a room with, you know, a group of Swedish people, they all spoke English. And that really bothered me because I wanted to hear Swedish because I, I just wanted, you know. Men vi kan ta resten av intervjun på svenska om du vet. Det är inga problem med mig. Ska vi göra det? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but people speaking and I lo- I I'm I love to hear other people speak together converse in their yeah, in their native language you, you know because well first off because I like to imitate make fun of other people speaking other I mean but mostly I'm not really making fun of them I'm making fun of myself trying to do that yeah but um for me one of the most fun things of going to another country is that you that different rhythm and the you know you people are so different when they speak in different languages yeah. you know it's uh they were so polite and maybe they're showing off i don't know the, no but i think it's we are the pol- politeness 
or something that they, they everybody there knows English. Yeah. Well, maybe they're just being polite to. They were just being polite to me because you were a movie star. Well, I I don't know if I was a movie star twenty years ago, but I was, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They, anyway, they, they knew who I was. Yeah. Well, yesterday, this sounds strange because I've been to the U.S. perhaps twenty times. Yesterday was the first time that I went to the movies. <laughs> Strangely enough, a I Swedish see, movie. No, I saw Interstellar. Have you seen that? Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I haven't. No, I haven't been to the movies in two years or something. Okay, why is that? I don't know. I just I don't. I I watch movies at home on my big television screen. I guess if going to the movies, I don't know. I don't. I know I'm not aware of what movies are being made or something. I tend to be very insular, busy, so I don't really look outside that much to, to that. But I've heard it's good or something. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I work with Christopher Nolan. I know, you know, I know. He's a very hard worker. Yeah. How is he as a director? He was great with me, yeah, to say the least. Fantastic, you know. He would often just go, "Okay, Boone, just go do what you know, go, do what you do, go Boone." Okay, <laughs> sort yeah. of like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, improvisation, and but just really kind of let let me loose to the contrary of sons of anarchy then very much to the contrary of that yeah yeah, yeah. but can i ask you where do you live you don't have to mention the echo address park. but echo park okay mm-hmm. i have a friend living there there like two years ago there was a big shootout just beside his house right has that sort of turned around no it's not Well, no, it's, it's, uh, I've been there living there for 25 years. So I've seen major changes. I'm, when I first moved there, Echo Park was very gang dominated. There was gunfire all the time, automatic gunfire, single shots all the time. And I lived sort of on top of the hill of one of the hills right next to the park, uh, Elysian Park, which is border is. Echo Park, big, big park where Dodger Stadium is in Elysian Park and big park, as big as as uh, the other one that's famous, Griffith Park. But not that many people know so much about Elysian Park. And there are spots where where you can wa- walk your dog without a leash, which is not where everywhere else in L.A. you, you have to walk your dog on a leash and all, all kinds of stuff. It's sort of a wild park and um echo park was a wild place back then and then one day a guy a gang member shot a non-gang member from the neighborhood in the face through his his driver's side window and the cops came in and took every all the gang everybody from the gang out and so there was This, that was, I think, in 92. I don't remember exactly what, in the 90s, early 90s. And then there was kind of a quiet period because they'd taken everybody out of there, but that just left all of these houses, all of these homes, families, with no brothers, no uncles, no no fathers, no, you know, it, it was kind of like taking a huge chunk of the population out of, and what does that do but probably make people angry? 
but there are there's still some gang stuff. I think I don't know what the statistics last year were, but I know the statistics the year before that there were three gang related murders in Echo Park, and you know crazy stuff. A guy, guy, one old gang guy goes to and shoots his old rival or one of his old, you know, on the front porch, yeah, probably like five blocks from my house. And the next morning he gets away. And the next morning he had a court date and he went, the guy who shot the dude, and then he goes to court to make his court date. And they, that's where they picked him up. So I, I you know, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. No. No, not if I shot a guy. I don't think I'd show up in court the next day. I mean, there were witnesses, you know, when he when he shot the guy. So why haven't you moved? I've lived in before I moved here. I lived in New York. The last ten years I lived in New York. I lived on a block where there were three drug operations going all the time. When I moved to that block, one of the guys who who ran one of the operations, he would constantly threaten me. Like, what are you doing on this block? Get get off this block. Get Don't ever come back. Da, 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 da. You do you think you are? I'm going to not I, you put you, take you out, blah, 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 blah. Like on a kind of a weekly basis, he did that. I actually worked at the bar at the end of the block on the other side of the street from the block. And I knew him and, you know, from in there. And But he would still do that. And then every time he did that, like 30 people would gather behind him, watching him and then standing behind him going like to me, no, don't say that. No, don't, oh God, don't say that. Because I would just go, you know, why are you threatening me? I, I'm not doing, but they thought I was a, a cop, an undercover cop. And that kind of stopped after a year. So I, I mean, Echo Park is not, I didn't, never struck me as a, Most gang stuff takes place, you know, among gang members. They yeah. don't really. That's what was so unusual about that guy shooting the guy through the window. I don't know who knows what that was about, but that is not usual. Gang people don't go around shooting other gang people. I mean, uh, non-gang people usually. I must say that. I mean, I'm sure that Los Angeles is a fairly. I mean, it must be one of the most crime infested places in the western world perhaps mm. count wise anyway perhaps but i never feel frightened here i feel frightened back home in stockholm though because people are drunk so often and that sort of makes i mean alcohol makes people stupid yeah stupid and crazy and yeah. and aggressive yeah here people tend perhaps to yoga more or smoke a little pot i've never seen anyone high on pot trying to have a fist fight have you yes <laughs> okay but, but, um, that might happen but, but yeah you get but, my point yes i get your point no they're in yeah well here you can because every because you drive it is a deterrent to, to drinking in massive excess like in europe in so many places And people don't stand on the street, guys don't stand on the street kind of berating people who walk by, drunk out of their minds, screaming aggressive things. It, it, it just does, that really doesn't happen that often here. I mean, there's definitely violence here. I think the violence is way down since crack uh, kind of took a 
I don't think there's as much crack being smoked in this in uh-huh. this town. And then the nineties there was a lot of crack. Okay. Crack cocaine or however you want to say it. Crack is very cheap homemade smoking smokable crack cocaine, I guess. I don't know. Crack was such a weird drug. I mean, I've been involved in a couple of violent incidents here, but not nearly as many as in New York when I lived there. I was in a lot of fights in New York, many fights. Maybe I'm an older man. I don't know. I I don't really go around looking for fights. But you did. I didn't, no. But I was, I had a much more aggressive mouth, and I drank a lot more then myself. And um, I didn't take any guff as they say from anybody so i my mouth did a lot of the beginnings of fights yeah i i would say i i never threw the first punch in a fight which i haven't but i i my mouth probably threw the first punch in almost every fight that i was in so i can relate but i never fought back though i didn't have it in me i just got punched very stupid you seem very upset about that yes looking at your face right now well i'm a teetotaler teetotal how do you say that teetotaler yeah since 10 years yeah 10 years yeah Uh uh-huh you're very upset about that more upset about that than having been punched no you're very happy to have stopped drinking yeah Uh yeah nice that was good for me i don't drink much anymore no no do you smoke pot i've been known to okay but you don't anymore i didn't say that (laughs) okay Do you have one of those uh, medical licenses? No, I don't. Okay. How much do you have planned ahead? None, zero. No movies? Not right now, no. Okay. I tend to, when I have free time, immediately tend to go to music and to writing and to trying to get other things off. There's a few things that are that I would like to see happen, and I'm going to work to that end. There's a... Somebody wants me to do a television show where I would do anything that I want to do, executive produce it, write it, act in it, get it off, get it put together. The setting of that show is fantastic, and I wanted to do that. Do you have an idea for that? That show, somebody wrote a pilot and came to me with that. And I don't want to talk about what it is because everybody steals things. It with the with three words that can set you know them right on the track yeah so it's um i've got that and then i've got movies that i mean literally i want to get out of the box and that i haven't looked at the movie that i had ready before the suns that was a movie about hawaii a good crew this guy who was smuggling at 17 years old was smuggling pot into the the states from mexico back in 1967 and he got caught it was the biggest bust ever of pot at that time and he would have gone to jail for 25 years at that time and so he ran and he went to hawaii and he has spent most of the last however many years 40 plus years of his life other than the the years that he did spend because he did go to jail and that movie is based sort of on his on his life and his connection to a kahuna, which is the, the, in the Hawaiian religion, the kahuna is the intermediary between the, what are called the amakua, which are the, the souls, the dead souls, the, of the ancestors and the people. 
So the kahuna is the guy who kind of women, woman or guy who, who sort of brings that all together. A medium. Sort of a medium. Okay. Yeah. He, when he went to Hawaii, he ran into the, a, a kahua, I mean, a kahuna and, um, he was brought very close into the, to, to all of that. And then he, after he went to jail, he came out and he, that guy, a guy named Jeff Munoz, who was a brother of the famous surfer, Mickey Munoz, one of the first non Hawaiians to surf the big North shore of, uh, Oahu. Anyway, Jeff started a, a Buddhist retreat up on top of one of the highest peaks in, uh, in Maui. And he's still there. And the movie was is sort of about him. But will that get made? I hope. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get it out and start pushing it around. So you need yeah. financiation yeah. for that? Yeah. Okay. My, a, a friend and, uh, uh, named Hal Ross and I wrote that. Okay. And we're, we're gonna, I'm going to try and get that. Then there's an adaptation. The other movie that I'd really like to make is an adaptation of a play that Steve Buscemi and I wrote back in... 90 it's about a kind of a a guy who uh it, it took the play took place in a in a morgue and um the night that the play play took place a guy had come into the morgue who was who the characters in the play discover was an old western movie star who had, had nobody had heard of for 20 some years okay that's what that's it's all about that <laughs> I heard you in another interview talk about your your upbringing. Can I just ask you before that, how much did Cincinnati mold you? Would you be sitting here today if you had grown up in Alaska? I know it's a hypothetical question. It's but Very hypothetical, man. I don't know, you know. I, it's uh, Cincinnati was a, I just, kind of a normal, I guess, normal middle-class upbringing of the fifties and early sixties. I, I was there from 59, uh, 55 to 64. I don't know what I, you, what you heard me talk about, but I mean, I, I played a lot of sports. I, I swam and played baseball and I sort of started early with girls. I remember, you know, I was kind of the only person to have a girl, a, like a girlfriend. And when I was like seven years old, seven, okay. You know, where yeah. we actually hung out because yeah. seven years old, mostly guys are like girls. Eh. Yeah. And go- girls are like guys. Eh. Ooh, did God, you, have, you, did know. you have the expression girl germs? Germs. Yeah. They got cooties. Uh-huh. Okay. Cooties. Yeah. All right. You didn't want that. I wasn't. In, I wasn't. I wasn't one of those who was afraid, afraid of the cooties no. of girls. No. Me neither. And I've never been. No. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, no, no. Me neither. None of that has ever changed. No, it's got me in a lot of trouble not having that. Uh, you know, cooties. I mean, were you early? sexually active at seven? Well, no. But okay. At what time did is that? You, what, is that what you were going to ask? Well, uh, at what age did you? She's actually married to like some, like, you know, the the vice president of Turkey or something. Okay, now, that girl, that girlfriend from age seven. Yeah, okay, something cool. like that. How old were you when you had sex? Sixteen, I think. Okay. Uh, I kept putting it off. It seems like I really was was very picky. I still am. Yeah, I'm not really much of a slut. 
I'm a huge flirt. Okay. Not much of a slut. That sounds good for you. Flirt, but not slut. But do you have children? Yes. I have a 19-year-old girl, just started college, and a boy who's 31 who's a musician, fantastic musician. So he's seems like he might be just about to break or something. Things are, are yeah, he's finally kind of getting it together. What's his genre? That's impossible to say. I mean, he has he has gone through. He had like he had a band when he was 16, and that was kind of I guess that would be called sort of Evo what he had back then or hard on the edge of hardcore. But not he, he, he's a lot of people say when they hear him to are reminiscent uh, that he's reminiscent of uh, Stevie Wonder like that. He's really a very flexible musician. He can do it. He can be very island kind of Car Caribbean or like that. He, he really can go a lot of different ways. Cool. I don't know what his, his latest batch. I haven't heard his. He supposedly has written 40 songs in the last two months. So okay. I, don't, I don't know what. I have no idea what they sound like. Where can we keep up with him? His name is Bira. Bira. B-I-R-A. I think that's how, how he's going to be coming out. His his name is Isaiah. But his everybody called him Bira. I call him Budo for some reason for a long time. I don't know why. But I think his professional name is Bira, B-I-R-A. Did you uh, live with your children while they grew up? I inherited him when, I, when he was 10. Okay. And, and then I lived with him until... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. He left. And my daughter I lived with, until, and, and unfortunately only until she was 12. But you keep contact? Yes, very much so. That's nice to hear. And it's also nice to hear that you've played soccer growing up, because for a Swede, that's really, you know, that's familiar. Yeah. That's the national sport. Yes, in most countries. Yeah, yeah. except here. Yeah. 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 But it's coming, right? It's yeah. still growing. Still growing. Yeah. I was definitely unusual in that that I played soccer although there were a lot there were certain there's been certain areas in in this country that have had soccer programs for a long time mm -hmm. Illinois was one of them where I grew up the, in the south and the north in St. Louis there was a, a very old club organization in California in Texas and in in the east in 
in around the New York metropolitan area. The oldest soccer league in this country is called the Cosmopolitan League, and it's a semi-professional league, which is where I played after college. It was called the German American League for many years, and it's over a hundred years old. I have a guess. And the guess is that in parts of the country where there's a big influence Eth from... Ethnic. Exactly. Eth if, influence, if, yeah. it, if it comes from uh, Mexico or, well, from Europe as well. Yeah. Right. Well, the yeah, the uh, definitely in that league is organized completely on ethnic. I mean, you know, there's Italian teams, German teams, English teams, Irish teams, Jamaican Haitian, but down. Yeah. In fact, you you probably heard of the Cosmos from the North American Soccer League that Pele kind of fostered, and Beckenbauer came and played, and Cruyff and Rodney Marsh, and all the all lots of stars from that era came and played their final years in that North American Soccer League, which is what I was. They wanted to draft me into that league back in when I graduated college yeah but you didn't i didn't my coach screwed me on that one i i've had problems with authority for many years it seems like that yes i have yeah, yeah. same with sons of anarchy yeah do you have a long list of people that you hate no i don't hate <laughs> i don't hate people no the, the weird thing is, no i don't hate anybody it's, i really don't i'm it's just i'm frustrated with some people yeah okay and you know and, and i The fact is that I, I feel that I'm a very equanimous person. I will talk about people about their strengths, their great strengths and their great and their weaknesses. And that's, I'm rough on myself in the same way. I mean, it's, it's not that I'm, it's just, I seem to want to search relentlessly search out the truth or something. I don't know. I mean, I think I wrote it this the other day that I'm the relentless pursuer of the art of perfection, meaning that perfection is, it's an art and therefore it's not a, a thing, but rather the making of something that then the artist, the person who's doing it can call perfection if they, you know, or pursue that what they see as perfection because perfection is definitely a subjective thing. Yeah. And I understand that. And I'm, you know, that's what my discussion with people is always about. Are you planning to put out uh, an album anywhere? Soon oh God, I hope I wish I could very shy about music. You are, I am. I'm extremely shy. I'm, I am a true chicken. I really am very shy about everything, actually, you know, that is that is directly traceable to me. Yeah. So I, I have a, a lot of songs that I hope that I will one day enter into the recording studio and record. Let's hope so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You never planned to be an actor, right? No. Do you still feel that? I mean, that you're sort of... I do. I do still feel that I'm not planning to be an actor. That's fantastic. I guess. Or perhaps a little bit sad. <laughs> for who? For, for, yeah, for me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't find that sad, you know? I I just think that whatever... I I tell you that, that I I find when I... 
when I try to impose anything upon the, you know, myself or the world or anything, it doesn't really work that well. I'm extremely suspicious of power. This is why I have problems with authority because I find that people very often misuse power and they assume so many things about what they can do and expect people to do things because they think that they have power. And I am always trying to check myself in that, in relationship to that thing of what, what you say to people, how you say it, what you expect of them when you say something, trying to, to give people all the room in the world, everybody, not only the people, I mean, I'm, you know, very concerned of the, of the water, the food, the every, every, you know, it's really the, the human is a, is just not good in the area of power, of the use of power. So <laughs> that's. I actually forgot what I asked you. Yeah. It was something about act. act yeah. Uh, was it that you, know. you didn't plan to be an actor? Yeah, I think that was, might have been the last yeah. question you asked. But, uh, I don't really know how I got yeah. there, but what, oh, my imposing my, you know, yeah. doing anything that, yeah. So I don't really, I, it's not that I really, pl you know, have planned anything. It kind of all just sort of, I do find, well, for many years, pursuing acting every time, I mean, 20 years, I made a plan more than 48 hours in advance, every plan was changed. I'd get a call from the agent saying, you got a meeting, you got to do the blah, blah, blah. I'd be in Wisconsin and I'd get a call. Oh man, you got to come back here for this meeting to New York. You know, you have to, it's like, and I read the script. I go like, yeah, I guess I got to. And then, you know, I had planned to be in Wisconsin for another two weeks or something, you know, and no, I didn't, you know, had immediately to, fly or drive back to New York so that I could do this thing. And whether you get it or not, you've ruined your plans. Yeah, I've kind of, for some 30 plus years, been living in sort of that zone anyway. And directing a movie takes a lot of planning. The, the way I made my short was I just like took people and, in five days made a 30 minute movie and just like, you know, this is what's going to happen now. And this is what's, and they did it and like that. And I've been working with a guy named Harry Sinclair for this, probably the last six, seven months, Harry Sinclair and, uh, Brooke Smith Lubinsky, who maybe, you know, another actor, an actress who's Harry's from New Zealand. And he had a, a couple of really good movies in the nineties. And we, made a something that was made like that. We just would get together. He would write something. We would talk about or, or kind of what we were doing a little bit and he would write it and we'd come and do it. And with a bunch of other people, it's really good people. Somebody's trying to sell it, but it's not, it's not the way people <laughs> you have to find, you have to have your own money to do that because no studio is going to, just give you a hunk of money and, and for you to show up. I mean, every television script goes through like eight people before it gets produced. Yeah. I don't think all of them do, but no, but it's, it's yeah, that's kind of the process. 
Are you friends with Larry Charles? The guy who was one of the producers of Seinfeld? Exactly. You know, I had some contact with Larry Charles because, well, I I was on Seinfeld yeah, I know. and yeah. had some other contact with him a long time ago because he kind of works like that. Yeah, there was something I remember. Yeah. I did an interview with him and it was so funny because he said that even though he's a wealthy man, and probably you are as well, but I mean, no, no, okay, no, no, no. but he perhaps he could finance a movie himself. Yeah. But he wouldn't want to because it's uh, risky, of course. And also maybe, and this was perhaps not he who said that this, but you sort of need that. You sort of need to push an idea through that filter of someone wanting to make money out of it yeah. for it to be good. But, well, but not for it to be good, well, but for it to get to, financed yeah, and exactly. get people supported, for it to be supported. Yeah, but it it might be good, but if nobody sees it, it's sort of wasted. Or the money? Well, the project or the energy. Yeah, that's and I think he he has kind of dropped out because of that. Yeah, unfortunately, I am a, also a pathetic optimist in that I do believe that great things can be made yeah. and have been. Yeah, I think I misquoted him. But what I was going to say about him was that he is, he, I think he's about your age. And yeah. he says that there's only so many movies that he's going to be able to do from now on. So they have to be really, really, really good. And I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, it takes two, at least two years to make a movie or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to be, I don't know, picky. I've always been picky. I've always followed my heart in terms of, of what movies I've been in. I've been, I've been pretty picky. I mean, these two, the movie I just finished the day before yesterday was David LaBrava. It's, I don't know whether it's a movie or a TV show. David LaBrava plays Happy on Sons of Anarchy. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, he came in as a raging maniac onto the show, and I spent seven years, you know, kind of telling him to shut up and listen you know, because he would just talk so much, and we hung out so much, and now he's directing a movie, and it's fantastic, and people... It was really fun and a great part. And that's what I have done for a lot of my career is to first-time writer-directors because I do believe in helping people, <laughs> even if I haven't done that for myself, gotten that thing together. Sorry, I over-modulated no, no, your mic okay. there. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't done that for myself. I, I have enjoyed doing that for others, giving them my time. But I mean, it, it's sort of fantastic with your, with your resume. Are there stuff that you are sh ashamed of in there? No, not one thing that no. I would be ashamed of. No, I mean, some of them were certainly. I'm I'm unhappy with the results of of plenty of the movies with a first time director. That that's to be expected, you know. But sort of, you, you know that that, but some of the low-budget movies that I've made are some of the greatest movies made in the last 30 years. Frozen River, I think, is an unbelievably great movie. Trees Lounge, those two come to mind right, right away. Those are two of the 
<laughs> those were made for nothing. Fantastic movies. You were an executive producer on Spun. Yeah. How did that happen? Okay, well, Will De Los Santos, who wrote, is credited with writing that movie or co-writing that movie. Is I, he the madman? Yes, he is the madman. Yeah. Who the story is, you know, basically about. Yeah. He had a little bit of a problem with Crank and uh, for many years, and... I think how that movie got made is probably he dictated the movie to his. I, I don't even remember, unfortunately. I don't remember the his co-writer's name. I had a lot of problems with him, but uh, I don't know how I. Oh, Danny, a guy named Danny Vinnick, who I I co-wrote with uh, a movie that I tried to. That that's another movie that I'd like to make called Dead Rockstar, which is Danny Vinnick and and a guy named Danny Stewart who was a musician who is a musician called green on red do you you, you remember that yeah, band yeah that's danny stewart okay and danny kind of went the bad the bad the way of the drugs and then ended up in tucson with this guy danny vinnick who who produced spun and what's the band's name really red on green no green on red i think yeah no, we're right i don't know maybe there was were two bands red on green and green on red Yeah, red on green. I don't know. I okay. truthfully didn't know yeah. those bands, but right. anyway. I ran into to Stuart many years later that he and Danny Vinnick had written a, a, the script Dead 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 Rockstar, and then I came and and I was I said I would love to direct this, and then Danny Stewart kind of dropped out of the process a little bit, and Danny Vinnick and I worked on it for five years, and I almost had it off a couple of times that, that in the in the nineties, late nineties. And uh, then just, you know, after four years or something, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I just went on to something else. But um, there's elements of that movie that I just love. It was all through the time of Napster. And we kept having to rewrite the thing because it didn't apply every month or so. It would two months that it would change. And so we were trying to be au courant to the music business and literally 15, 20 versions of that movie. But um, Danny Vinnick and I optioned Spun, and we kept that going. Will went off to Africa to review some world music concert or something, He and I just wanted to get him out of town thinking maybe he'd stop doing the crank. And he did, and he got married, and he brought back a, a you know a, a Moroccan wife and eventually i gave up my desire to because i that's when i was working on dead rock star too and i thought that that was going to get off and whatever the guy's name who who directed it uh, uh jonas auckland yeah auckland i came up with the idea of mickey rourke for the cook and auckland and rourke signed with with MCI or somebody at the, I can't remember, I think it was MCI at the same time. And that's how the project got made. And I got booted as a director, uh -huh. which, which I am not still to this day, not very happy about. So you were, you hold a grudge towards. No, I, no, no. I'm just not very happy that I didn't, you know, of end course. up directing that yeah. movie. Did so, you see it? Yeah. 
No, I thought it. I thought it was fantastic, and actually, in 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 and some things were done differently. I mean, a, a lot a lot of it was done differently than I would have done it. But but I thought some of his, particularly the phantasmagorical sections, I thought were really, really good, really good. Now that you are sort of working on your own projects, are you disciplined with that? Uh, we'll see, because I I really haven't. I mean, I've been pretty busy since finishing Sons, and there's been a lot. Of, there's still a lot of stuff going on around that because it's not done yet. It's got a couple of weeks left, and um, so there's been stuff, you know, associated with that. And uh, you know, I've got this other this project that that somebody wants me to do. I'm gonna like, get into that one. Another project that, that Marilyn Manson and I have have been talking about. Harry Sinclair wants to do something with Marilyn and I, with Manson and I. Just a bunch of stuff other than those other things, those other scripts that I have, kind of in my safe that I'd like to get out, get around. I I just see how it goes, and then I and maybe I can I will be offered some acting parts so that I can make some money on or whatever that are good. I you know good things is what I'm always looking for. When were you financially worried last time? When I had a daughter 19 years ago, I had never, I had barely had a, well, no, I guess I'd had a bank account. When I left New York, I didn't, I didn't have, I, I didn't have a bank account. I had walked around with all the money I had in my pocket for many years. And some of the times that was quite a bit. Literally in your pocket. Literally in my pocket. Huh? I would have like $30,000 or something. Kind of stupid, but you know, <laughs> it's better than leaving it in my apartment in New York because... Yeah. I trust myself better than the windows in my apartment. I got robbed many times, and my apartment got gone through. They didn't get much because there wasn't much there. But maybe they didn't look in your pocket. They didn't look in my pocket because I wasn't there when they were oh. doing that. <laughs> I trusted my ability to defend myself rather than my empty apartment. Yeah. I, that's just how I did things for years. But um, when's the last time I was financially in? When I had a daughter, I said, "Well, I better put some money in the bank, put get stay pretty financially sound." And I think I've kind of done that. So that's 19 years ago that I really thought, "Well, I'm going." I don't worry about money. I never do. I don't balance my checkbook. I don't. I I just don't do count pennies like that. And I and I found. When I stopped doing that many, 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 many years ago, that I always had money. Okay, that's great. I just never ever look to that thing and say, "Oh God, I." I mean, when I would be get down to like se several hundred dollars, I would go, "Oh wow, I better get a job." That kind of thing. But I don't do that anymore. But I've given a lot of money away too since I started making a hunk of money on the show. I mean, I've made much more, much, much more money than I ever did before. That's the nature of a of a steady job in a television show. I never had anything like that in this, for seven years in this as well. Business. Yeah, for seven years. I mean, they didn't pay us that particularly well, actually. They didn't, you know, not no. for the kind of money that they the, the, the show generated. 
I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, it's a fuck, it's an unbelievable amount of money com- for, for regular, you know, for, for regular working people, which I was for many, many years before I started making a living as an actor. I didn't even come close to making living, a living as an actor until I was over 35. So it's, I know what it is to, to work a regular job as a regular job as, you would say. But um I don't know, counting pennies isn't really the way to forget about money. But if you would like live on soup and not spend that much, could you retire now? I have no idea. No. And you don't care either. No. Because you're not planning to. No, and if I didn't I'm not gonna ever retire I don't I don't know what that means. I've never had a vacate how does one stop from doing what one does? You know, I how does one stop writing music or or writing poetry or thinking about stories or yeah you know how does one stop doing that i don't know maybe you just get lazy and you do or you forget what a story is i'd hate to be in that position you know but maybe that will happen that's like i know that age is a is a can be a horrible aging can be a horrible process it's i'm not very happy with a lot of it thus far but I mean, I was very hard on my body for many, many, many years in all different kinds of ways as an athlete and an abuser and all kinds of things. But do you take care of it now? No, not really. I mean, yes, I I mean, I know. The fact is that I eat very well and then I eat very badly. I do both things. You know, I take care of myself and then don't take care of myself. So I don't dictate to myself, unfortunately, strictly. It's a horribly lazy aspect of myself. If you would to put up like a professional bucket list, what would you put in there? Again, it's it's not I don't it's not so specific, I think, as as just keep searching for the next the most interesting thing that I could do. Yeah. I definitely would like to you know, direct at least the three movies that I've talked about. The the Hawaiian one, the the one about the the morgue and Dead Rock, Dead Rock Star. Star. Those yeah. and the T V project other, perhaps. The T V project, that would be really amazing too. It's not since I didn't create that, I don't have as I don't have anything invested in that yet. But if I do go about, you know, working on that, I will definitely a lot will go into that. The other T V projects, the ones with Harry that I we've already made something of that's a it's really funny really good but I've always been fascinated with what happened in this country with the native american and have many just sort of in the past have explored a a, a whole bunch of ideas around uh, that that have to do with that you know I'm really trying to figure out how to contribute to making a concerted effort to get this country at at the very least or the world back. I mean, not back to a place where we, we begin to manage what we have left of the natural resources on this planet, the water and the, and the trees and the and everything and the animals. I'm very worried, and I've put a lot of time in this past year to the wild horse. But 
for me, it's the whole system, the whole ecosystem. There's a lot of work being done by some people in sort of managing the or, or kind of taking the earth back to the place where or forward, not again, I keep saying back, but really forward to the to a place where it will take care of itself again and stop the 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 ruinous behavior that we are constantly doing. There's seven billion people on Earth now, and it's that's five billion in the last I don't know forty years or something. It's that's just crazy. We and so many species disappearing, and I think the the horse in this country, the horse, the wolf, and the buffalo, and the cougar, or the the you know the mountain lion, yeah. are the four, and bear also. Those predators, I mean, the human humans that are afraid of those animals still when there's none of them left and there's still this fear or, or express fear, you know, people still killing wolves and ranchers who don't understand that, that, that the wolf, yes, maybe the wolf will take, uh, you know, a couple of their, their herd, but they pick out the weak ones. It's just that simple. They preserve and strengthen the whole ecosystem, the predators. The human just doesn't seem to be, it's all about that power thing. I have the power to kill the wolf. I will kill the wolf because it is taking my stock. I find it preposterous. I completely agree. They found in Yellowstone, they've reintroduced the beaver in a big way. And from the beaver comes everything. The beaver takes sort of charge in a, I don't think they do it. I mean, they do do it to their own, for their own purpose. But the way that the beaver takes charge of the waterways completely revitalizes the waterways so that all the birds return, all the small a other animals, the muskrats and all the other animals. And then it just is a direct chain. The fox come back because they take the small animals and, and all of Yellowstone, since they, they actually reintroduced the wolf, the beaver came back because the wolf keeps the elk away from the waterways. So the beaver have replenished themselves and all the trees are growing again because the elk are not eating all the young ones because wow. they don't, they just are not docile animals afraid of nothing. And the, the wolf started it all. So I'm, I'm, I've done some specific stuff with the wild horse in the last year, but through an organization called um, protect Mustangs, protect Mustangs.org. That's what you she's, that's the organization that I've done a lot of work with. And she, I find that her political position about, the Mustangs is really the closest to mine. And it's because there's a lot of movement to, in fact, Robert Redford has just come out. Yes, PCP, these animals, this is a poison. This is a, they are in order to, as a birth control, they, they have now started shooting up Mustangs with this drug called PZP, which is actually a, a pesticide. So they're injecting a pesticide into the, the wild Mustangs so that they won't produce children fall <laughs> fantastic idea huh yeah so it, i just don't get it and she's very much against that and yeah. 
all that needs to be done with the wild mustangs is to, for them to be left alone, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, and control the ranchers and the oil industry and the and the mining industry and the wild horses will will just be fine and and they won't be they're accused of so many things and they're now designated as pests by the secretary of the interior it's it's unbelievable how did you vote this election yeah i am criminally negligent i did not vote this year i really i i feel ashamed that i didn't but I was in the middle of making a movie, and I just—if you saw my house, you would realize why I couldn't. Why I just—I didn't even know the day that it took place. I really didn't. I got home and I was, saw all these things on, you know, about what was going on, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Because I do vote. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm would a, you have voted for uh, Obama or for the uh, Democrats? This is a problem I have become disillusioned in the last couple of years because Obama has really let me down about a certain a few things. Like he has okayed GMO alfalfa and GMO sugar beets. This is insane. Alfalfa is the the largest free growing uh, plant food on the earth, and as soon as you introduce GMO into the plant or into that plant it spreads all over and in, in so now eventually all alfalfa on the world in the world will be G infested with gmo dna and to me this is criminal there is no reason to mess with with alfalfa you can't get any better alfalfa than what alfalfa is is doing around the world and now this is vilzak the secretary of agriculture who is like a, a big time industry guy and if you get me started on gmo foods and monsanto and the, the like i will i just could go on for hours and hours and hours i'm spent a couple of years of my life where people just were like would you please shut up about food because i just was got obsessed with it and there's nothing more important than keeping our food healthy trying to keep our food clean and it's not happening when you when you have someone in power like that okaying monsanto and gmo alfalfa and gmo sugar beets for no reason get away from the oil industry dominating our food industry do you have any hope politically about america i don't see a lot of stellar candidates but how can you be a stellar candidate when you when you run and you get ripped apart like just ripped to shreds who would volunteer for that it's a treacherous business to be a public figure do you think uh, hillary clinton could do it i don't know what to say about hillary i really don't i'm i mean bill was co-opted the the republican agenda that's why they went after him to begin with that's why He's a, a right. He was a centrist on the right side of center. That's the program he put forth. He brought us dubbed the the WTO. He created the World Trade Organization, which is an organization which made up of of corporate people who dictate to governments what to, what they they have to do with trade. I mean, this is this is the wolf in the hen house. 
idea. That's Bill Clinton. He did GAFTA, NAFTA, all of that's him. NAFTA destroyed the, the workers' salary base in this country. It, I mean, it just like, that's not no democratic agenda. So we'll see. We'll see. Would you like to recommend something? Listen, watch carefully, act responsibly, love each other. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Who do you think I should interview next? Uh, yeah. Well, any any of them. I mean, any of the people who are Charlie, Tom, Tommy. They're they're fantastic people. Why don't you say that the lady who did that Mustang project? And Novak. Well, if you think that would be a good idea, she's very, very knowledgeable about the subject of that of that of the the wild horse in this country and and all of the aspects of it. She knows someone who I, I think all, but I don't remember her name. Someone who I want to meet, who is conducting, has different herds of wild animals, and she has had them for a number of years and doing all the different kind of research. She lives in, I think in Wyoming. I can't remember her name. But if I do interview Anne, I can ask her about that. You right? could probably ask her. And I can that. email you. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. It's been a real, real pleasure. Good to hear. Yeah. Mark Boone Jr., such a fantastic guy. He was super nice. He came on his motorcycle, by the way. And I was staying in Laurel Canyon. It's a bit, the street was a bit steep. So he had to park his motorcycle down in the valley and walk up the hill because he was afraid that it would tip over. So he got some extra exercise. I'm sorry about that, Boone. But thank you so much for taking your time. And by the way, thank you Uber for sponsoring the show. And thank you Lovisa Olsson for editing it. And thank you Christina Jörling-Biro for producing it. Uh, talk to you again in two weeks. And I'll uh, let you go with a little bit of Mark Boone Jr.'s version of Bang Bang. Bye bye. She was five and I was six. We rode on horses made of sticks She wore black and I wore white She would always win the fight Bang, bang She shot me down Bang, bang I hit the ground Bang, bang That awful sound Bang, bang My baby shot me
sang Just for me the church bells rang She left town, I don't know why I don't know why I had to die Bang, bang, she shot me down Bang, bang, I hit the ground Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.